Hi, you're listening to What's the Schemata, a schema therapy podcast for therapists. With ISST-accredited schema therapy supervisors and trainers, Chris Hayes and Rob Brockman. For more information on schema therapy, visit our website, schematherapytraining.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to What's the Schemata. This is a specialist podcast for those that are interested in schema therapy. And my name is Chris Hayes, and I am here with the mighty Rob Brockman. Rob, how are you? Mighty. Uh, yeah, I'm good, Chris. How you doing, mate? Yeah, good. What episode are we at now? We, must we are on episode 21. We're racking mm. up these things. We made it. We made it to 20. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have it's any a real more. thing. It's a real thing now. It's a thing. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> we're steady. We're going steady. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're going uh, a little bit freestyle today. Normally, often we have people um, presenting uh, and, and we were interviewing people, but we thought, that we could have a bit of a chat and you know we you know we thought that the idea around discussion around limited reparenting would be useful for a lot of people that are learning the model training in the model we, we often get a lot of questions and, and a lot of uh, probably misunderstandings around limited reparenting which is a big what part ifs. of schema therapy yeah the what ifs yeah the what ifs and we thought we'd just sort of dedicate it today, you know, on on that, you know, the, that that com- compartment of schema therapy. It's a big bit. I mean, I don't know. How do you do? You find there's a lot of people asking questions, and there's mis maybe miscommunication or misunderstandings around limited repairing too. Is that your 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 view? Yeah, I think it's one of the both the most exciting part of the model, mm. um, but also the most anxiety provoking maybe part of the model. Yeah. You know, um, there's a lot of things about limited reparenting, isn't there? There's sort of putting ourselves in there more. Mm. Um, it's so like more activating for therapists, yeah. I guess. You know, it can be more triggering. Can, can be, be, yeah. Out of comfort zone. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah. there are those therapists that look at and go, oh, yes, this is what I've been looking for. Like I, could, I have a model to like to do all the things that I already do. Um, but then there are others that are like, oh, this feels a bit, you know, sort of getting in there and like, putting myself in there and, you know, yeah. so so there is that too. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Because I, so I guess we should probably just back it up a bit for those that are new to the model or learning about the model. One bit of schema therapy is limited reparenting. Okay, limited reparenting really is um, it's a therapy relationship. We want to going to go beyond the standard level of care, and and we would see. You know, limited reparenting is we're trying to you know, provide in a limited context what needs were not you know sort of met in childhood. Um, we, there's a particular style that you know we we have. If you're listening to a tape or something, I, I don't know. I can tell. I don't know about you, but you automatically tell if someone's you know needs some work around limited reparenting versus not. <laughs> some people are just very natural to it. Um, so I guess, you know, I often see, you know, like other therapists, particularly maybe that don't come from a, obviously, obviously not from a schema background, but maybe more psychodynamic or other approaches where it's more that the therapy relationships just develops over time and they just want to get like a safe environment. And different um, models have an idea of the, you know, the therapist as more of a blank slate thing as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. Where they wouldn't be putting themselves in there, but more just kind of reflecting. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we, we kind of talk about and think a lot about how we can get the therapy relationship really going rather than just needing more time. Um, and, and and it's a part of the structure, the architecture, really, a kind of a schema. So, okay, so so limited reparenting, right, this is one of the four 
intervention points, the big intervention points in schema, right? Yep. So we've got limited reparenting. Um, the other two are more or less cognitive behavioural therapy. So we've got cognitive yep. techniques, we've got behavioural techniques. Yep. But Jeff Young, in designing the model, he's he added a couple of big things. So so one of those things was limited reparenting. Yep. And the other thing was the experiential techniques. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So those coming from a CBT background, there's a lot of familiar things in in schema, right? We've got cognitive behavioral techniques. We've got this, you know, cognitive information processing model. Okay, which happens to be a mode model now in in schema, which is a bit different, but it's it's still um, familiar, maybe to to many therapists that kind of formulation. But limited parenting is one of those really distinctive features, yeah, of schema. Distinctive feature, right, in the sense that uh, we, as therapists, we're going to set up a therapy context where where we are going to put ourselves more in there, right, into the therapy relationship and try to directly meet some of the core needs that, that were unmet, you know, for the for the person um, when they were growing up. So they can be kind of the intimate, kind of. I mean, when talking about directly meeting the needs, you know, um, you know, you, you, I guess, you know, when I'm working with my supervisees, it's, it's sort of things like rather than being Socratic and kind of like, you know, so there's any evidence that would suggest that, you know, you, you, you can't do this presentation. It's more being direct going, you could do this, Rob. Yeah. It's funny. Well, you know, well maybe not as much like that. But. <laughs> you know what? It's, it's interesting. I, 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 ages ago when I was learning, when I was doing my accreditation, um, I had a colleague of mine. I, I don't know if I told you this, but um, he's a very, he's an American guy and he's got, you know, he's quite a lovely bloke and, and he's quite quirky. And I was talking to him, it was early in my career and I was, and I've got a bit of a failure schema bubbling away in the background. Yeah, yeah. And I still remember it because it obviously hit a nerve and really, you know, you know, it was quite corrective. And I was just talking to him in a, a tea break or having a chat with him and talking about my career or talking about doing something, you know, doing something out of my comfort zone. Maybe it's a presentation. And he was like, hey, Chris, you got to believe yourself man you can do this you got you got this man i still remember him you know yeah, so that's yeah. he was sort of you know that's yeah. been directly meeting that yeah. need, you know yeah. and it's still you know it was quite telling at the time i think you know i had a guy like that too he was a, a particular supervisor i was seeing for a while who was an act supervisor yeah right and he, he had this way of and i i, I hold that in mind now he had this way mm. of looking at me and if and if i had some self-doubt about something mm. about and i said look is this you know, could I do this or something like that? And 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 he would look and he would just say, um, I know you can, Rob. He goes, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know you can. Yeah, yeah. That's it. And yeah. that was like, oh, you know, yeah. And, yeah. and you know, like if someone doesn't believe something, they wouldn't say that. Yeah, absolutely. So we're bringing a lot, you know, I guess that's the directly meeting the need element to schema therapy is like being direct as opposed to you know, you know we joke slide. around saying you could do this, you could do this, but but really mm-hmm. it's that pulling them in, saying, "Mate, you've got this. Yeah, you've got, you got this. this. this is, yeah. Okay, maybe then, it wouldn't work out, but this mm-hmm. is not beyond what you can do, right?" Yeah, and it, and it being linked to the need. So for me, I don't know if it's the same schema for you or not, but you know, the the the, the need of a failure schema, I need someone to sort of encourage me. And and we and just keep talking about our failure schemes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or it might be somewhat if it's emotional deprivation. I guess what we're trying to look at is being direct in saying, "Hey, you care. I care about you. I've got you in mind. I know it's going to be hard on the weekend, but you know, I." I 
I, I, I want you to know that you're not invisible to me and you've got your mind over the weekend. That is, that's quite intense for some therapists. Now, something, something that I actually picked up relatively recently, like at our, at our Connect conference like two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, I don't, uh, Remco did this thing where he was, he was talking about limited parenting and experiential techniques, but he just had this really basic model of like a three-part model of activating like activating the schemas or, or the vulnerable child. Mm-hmm. So, so schema activation, yep. corrective experience, mm-hmm. and then reflection and consolidation. Yep. Okay. So, and he brings this into his limited reparenting. It's really cool. I've never mm. thought about it that way. Yeah, right. And it's obvious that that's probably how we should think about it. But mm. so, and what it means is when you give this kind of, um, you know, when you give this kind of direct message to the client, you have to make sure that they're activated with their schemas. If they are, let's say they're in a coping state, let's say they're sitting there in a touch protector Mm -hmm. and you're like, mate, you know, you've got this. And they'll just be like, yeah, I I know. Okay. Yeah, whatever. You know what I mean? So it won't land. So the model, you have to remember, like when we are saying these things, and I think schema therapists get very good at, I don't think we always think this way about, Mm. you know, activation, you know, correct, corrective experience reflection, mm. but we get very good at knowing, Ooh, the client's activated. They need something from us right now. They need yeah. to hear something. Mm, mm, mm. Um, but that's worth keeping in mind, I think. So. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think, you know, sometimes you might see speaking in that way, being kind of nurturing and very direct and then that way can be sort of activating itself. So, you know, it might, you know, and people get, you know, often get maybe a little closed because it's icky and it's uncomfortable or, you know, maybe they, they appreciate it or, you know, there's, there's discussion points about that. But you're right. I think that, yeah, you have to kind of keep in mind um, when a person is activated. I mean, it's also the, the, the idea around this is that if someone's activated, it's a very different thing for something like a psychodynamic approach where someone's activated and you're giving them space and you're giving them probably too much space and it can be quite depriving. So that's a de- very different, I think, in schema um, mm. approach where you're not letting them, you know, activating someone, getting them in touch with the core feelings, and then you're sort of sitting back. You're really getting in there and, sure. and, and sort of meeting that need. Absolutely. Um, and it, and and so I guess part of the lesson here is um, when you're going to give a message like that, the best what the best place to do it is when the client is activated, when they're, yeah. they're bringing you some vulnerability, when they're bringing mm. you some anger, maybe when the critic's showing up, mm. you know, and they're in some of their stuff. Mm. And then that's when you bring that stuff, you know, more so. Yeah. And, you know, with yeah. anger, it might be like, hey, man, like it might simply be talk to me about it. Like I'm mm. sure you have a good reason to be angry. Like I, w- I really want to hear that. Mm. you know and that's validating mm-hmm. you know? mm. so we get, so with with our training you know with the training that we both do and i guess the way that we work with our supervisees we we tend to break up the preliminary parenting in four main bits really don't we we kind of mm. I, I think there's a lot of the time when we're thinking about this preliminary parenting stuff, people do get hooked on to the care, nurturance, you know, um, validation element, the, the nice stuff, which is, you know, the first bit of, you know, what we, we often would talk about. But there are other bits to that. Just like a parent, you know, I know for myself, um, there's a good cop stuff, which is all the mm-hmm. nice nurturance, you know, maybe a bit of guidance. So just to, to just to open up things to the audience, 
the four main things that we talk about really is, you know, number one, we want care, attunement, nurturance. We want, you know, directly meeting the need. That's what we've been talking about. The second thing, which we'll talk in a moment, is kind of more about guidance. You know, we want, it's okay to have you have an opinion, you know, if you think someone's behaving in a way that isn't consistent with 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 improvement, you know, you, you can say what you think and guide them, you know, and sort of say, well, well, you know, it's up to you. You, you know, you're the master of your own universe. You know, mm-hmm. if you want to take that drug as a drug, you know, job as a drug dealer, you know, it's up to you. It's like we might be saying, don't do that. But then mm-hmm. that's the sort of good cop stuff. But then the bad cop stuff is things like limit setting and empathic confrontation. And, you know, we're both parents and, you know, I've been having to do that half my time, <laughs> you know, like, you know, iPad off now. You've got five seconds to put it off or you're not having it for the next two days. You know, yeah. this sort of stuff. And then it's, 10 minutes later, you're like, I love you, mate. You know that. Yeah, exactly. It's hey, not all bad. Have a good one. Yeah. You get the balance. Yeah. But it is hard and jarring to switch roles. Yeah, it is. It is. But, you know, it's interesting, you know, we've been talking a bit about how to, um, to you know, sort of frame this, you know, about nurturance and validation mm. and like almost kind of that's one polarity and then the other polarity is like assertion and challenging and change. Like, mm. so see, I mean. You so you can almost some- imagine them as being a sort of on a spectrum. Yeah. Right. So you've got, you've got this spectrum on the left-hand side, you've got, you've got care and attunement then leading into guidance, uh, then you're leading into empathic confrontation, then all the way on the right being limit setting. So you've got this kind of spectrum between tasks, therapist tasks that look like nurturance and validation and input care, right, all the way through to to straight up um, limit setting and boundaries. Yeah. Right. And so those those four parts of limited parenting can can lie on a spectrum. Uh, We all love a spectrum. Yeah, we, we all yeah. left to right. We got the, you know. We'll try uh, and wake up right. what, a drawing of this maybe in the show notes. Let's sure, let's do it. Yeah. 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 We'll work up uh, one of our slides, uh, which we put in our trainings. Yeah. And I guess it's about being more nimble because if we're just nurturing and validating and there for our clients, which is good, I mean, it's not being phony or anything. We are, but at the same time, you know, it's not your job to take abuse or we might, you know, need to set limits or we might need to really confront people on, you know, not cool behavior that, you know, isn't really getting them in, you know, moving in the right direction too. So often, I mean, I know I find that, you know, the general therapist's, yeah, strength is in the care and, and, and nurturance yeah. stuff, you know, and empathic confrontation. No one taught me how to deal with that. No one, you know, and I guess we're yeah. working with a very unique, you know, kind of a group of individuals that are you know, complex problems and often really deep problems that trigger off, get, get triggered off in relationships. So that's why that part's so full on well, as opposed to if you're doing the access one kind of work with working with something a little bit more simple, you're not, you're not needing to deal with the therapy relationship stuff and, and to mm-hmm. confront people and bring it up and you know deal with it. And this could be a hard part about being a therapist too, because, you know, we, for the most part, I always say in, the, in, in our trainings, mo- mo- almost none of us got into this to be great boundary setters. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. If I said to you, why, you know, why did you become a therapist? No one says to set boundaries because I just mm. couldn't. I couldn't wait to get to the point of setting boundaries with mm. clients. Everyone always talks about wanting to make a difference, wanting to help people, yeah. you know, wa- wanting to, you know, that sort of thing. There's a bit of confound in that, isn't there? Yeah. Um, mm. But if you look at the model, our clients, for the most part, are uh, generally come with a history histories of uh, abuse, mm. uh, histories of of neglect, uh, histories of of invalidation. And so it makes sense that we load heavily on that left-hand side of the care, nurturance, validation. Mm. Stuff. 
makes mm. sense. Mm. But at the same time as being, let's say, neglected, many of our clients also didn't have clear boundaries growing up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and so this must also be a part of the treatment. I, I uh, never forget the time that I really realised this in a more of a meta way, like in supervision and thinking about other therapists, I was, I think it might have been, it would have actually been Amsterdam a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh, we um, had the ICT conference. Anud was talking about the trial. They did a big RCT with group schema therapy. Mm. And he made this point. He said that they had all these sites around the world. They're doing group schema therapy. And he said there was a few sites that were um, basically a disaster because uh, the therapists were unable to um, to set the boundaries. You know, yeah, they of course, right. had they were very nurturing and they knew the model and all those things. But in the group setting, if there are one or two people that that are maybe overcompensating or or damaging in some way, that that they really needed to set the boundaries. So there were some issues early on in the trial, in certain trial sites. But I, for me, I felt like it was a big collective slap to all of us as kids. Mm. It's so interesting though as well. I remember reading a paper not long ago as well that talked about the you know key things that made a difference for the client's perspective at schema therapy, and one of those things. I can tell you about the other the other two later, but one of them was empathic confrontation. Like, you know, people say, look, you know, you called me out on things that I knew wasn't cool. You did it in a kind way and in an encouraging way, and I needed to hear it, you know, and that was one strength of the model from the client's perspective too. So it's interesting that we're sort of talking about that. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, um, the other thing about that is with empathic confrontation, often after the first workshop, folks go away and they get the idea, they just start confronting all their clients. They're like, right, I, I can confront everyone. Yeah, um, so yeah. that's a little bit of a thing to yeah. watch out for because you have to remember the empathy part The empathy. As well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? exactly. Uh, so, you know, keeping that in mind, you have to lay on that empathy really thick. Yeah. Uh, no one does this better, I think, maybe than, than Wendy Bihari, yeah. Um, yeah. who if you listen to her, it's a, such a deep radical empathy yeah, you know, yeah. it's all grounded in like I know how hard it is for you. I know what it was like for little Johnny growing up, you know, and no one ever listened or no one cared enough, you know, and all that kind of stuff. You have to lay that on really thick, yeah. especially especially for those guys. Not so yeah. much maybe, you know, for everybody. But uh, well, you've got but, that spectrum, you know, that idea like your care, nurturance, you know, guidance, you know, empathic confrontation, limit setting. Yeah, that, I guess that's an important point to make that we all need different things. Some people are going to need more limit setting. Some people are going to need no limit setting. They're going to be fine. There's going to be much more of a focus. So still goes back to that kind of, you know, what do they need? And, you know, what... What, what um, does it need? Yeah, what, some people are going to need different things. But thereby, but, like, mm. a, a, you know, the best therapist thereby is one who can flexibly move between tasks, you know, yeah. who can recognise, oh, you know, I always use the um, example of, you know, you might have a narcissistic client that you've been thinking, oh, God, I've got to do some limited parent, like I've got to do some empathic confrontation. And, you, you you know, you work up the courage and you plan it out. You go, right, this session, we're going to do it. And the client comes in for some reason, vulnerable. Something happened, yep. the, you know, bang, vulnerable. Okay, you've got to put all that stuff aside. Yeah, right? yeah, drop it. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's not the time for it now. Even though you yeah. wanted to, you know, you wanted it, you were prepared for it. Maybe this is not the moment. The client's already in a vulnerability. So maybe we could chat chat around. Okay, so maybe just before we go to the, the confrontation bit, we can look at the kind of care connection stuff because I, I don't know about you, but I get this a lot. And, you know, there's issues, there's clinical dilemmas that we have in terms of boundary violations. And we do get a lot of questions, 
in, in supervision and in training around our limited parenting might act, you know, come up. What if there's problems? The what ifs. Okay. So I reckon, Chris, we could do a whole yeah. series, the what if series. The what ifs. Of Schemata. Yeah. We'll start yeah, doing yeah. what if series. Yeah, well, and <laughs> do that in episode 20, 21. Yeah, so, absolutely. So we're going to do, we're going to start our what if series today looking at limited reparenting. Yeah. Well, okay. Right, so one, what, you got, one what if, I mean, you know, yeah, is, is what if, um, you know, my care is um, seen, uh, it's become from more of a sexual way. Maybe people might have sexual feelings with me if I'm telling them that they're a good person, that you like them. You know, maybe this would encourage the client. You know, do you, have you had this sort of stuff or, you know, sort of feeling never. proper? Never, never, never. Right, yeah, right. Yeah, well, no, maybe not. Maybe, <laughs> well, through your basket of thousands of people that you've worked with, I'm sure you've heard this before. <laughs> but, I mean, I've, I've had, you know, well, people ask me, I've had people come, come to me that have had some, you know, sort of, you know, sort of talked about having feelings for me i don't think it's necessarily do with well it could be a bit about the therapy i mean that's okay i mean what are your thoughts before um tell you i think it's a it's a little bit inevitable sometimes i think clients if they haven't had their needs met yeah you know it can be confusing initially Mm. Uh, I'll, I'll start by saying the vast majority, like 99.9% of the time, it's not even an issue. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, absolutely. So it's not a broad issue. I don't I don't get this as a, as a broad, like it's not like yeah. one in 10 clients fall in love with you or something like that. It's, not, yeah. it's just not a thing. Yeah. But yeah. from time to time, I think, you know, yes. It, it but as males, maybe we're, I mean, if we're, we're males, we might be, you know, working with some female, you know, having female therapists and they might be a little bit more wearisome of that, I imagine, you know, if they're working with a male client, you know, and I mean, I think it does, um, It's, I mean, it, I think it, like you curious, I think it is probably an anxiety that might be overstated some way. But um, the thing that I'm always yeah. saying is that, you know, it, that's, the nurturance and care might be filling a need, and it might be something that the person's really craving, and they might they, they might have some feelings for you. Um, but don't forget the liminary pairing element of empathic confrontation and limit setting and boundaries. Yeah, and boundaries. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I can remember someone who was a lovely person I worked with who um, was a therapist, and she had someone started to to stalk her, and you know, she, we just needed to stop the therapy because that. You know, you're not. You got to keep yourself safe, <laughs> and that's an important part of the deal. It's not just about being nurturing and available and caring. It is about being sturdy in yourself to say that's not cool. So, yeah. you know, I think that's what in I my like. experience, though, these things are uh, not coming up as a sort of at full intensity straight away, yeah. but it builds up slowly. And yeah. so, my advice would be: yes, it's inevitable that, like, for some people, this might happen. Yeah. Um, uh, on the you know the low percentage chance that it does though when it does mm. I think it's another opportunity for corrective experience in the sense that absolutely yes I'm here I do care in mm. a limited way I'm the therapist uh, but that's all it is and you need to be able to respect that and understand that and mm. if you can then we can work together yeah. Um, yeah. so it's, I think it works on a similar thing you know like your parents love you, but it's it's not a sexual thing, right? Or, or mm. you know, you might you might um, get care from your sister or your cousin. Mm. Or, I mean, those mm-hmm. things yeah. can go together. It doesn't have to be something, right, yep. which turns into a, a you know sexual transference. It so, could be another thing is to kind of start to understand it 
a little bit in mode terms because I remember one of my clients, she would sort of sexualize behaviors and it's a part of her overcompensation to do that right, as a which way would be to feel more attention seeker. Well, maybe not with her. It's just I think she felt more in control, some sort of she wouldn't, it wasn't so much of attention. It was just more of, yeah, she was, you know, had a job in working sex work. So she was much more in control on top of the uh, dynamic if it was like done in that way and she could flip it into that way. So it's sort of, right. I wouldn't say narcissistic, but it was yeah. kind of like a, a way to, I wouldn't say she was aggrandizing, but it's a way to kind of, that's her, her, her way of getting back on top of the dynamic if it was this normal kind of, you know. So, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, um, but yeah, so, I think, yeah, I think yeah. it's just something you have to deal with, right? Yeah. And if it comes up, it's likely to be overcompensation. Uh, like any overcompensation, you've got to get on top of it mm-hmm. early. Yeah. And, and you know what? The other thing I, I, I always remember, so I've been doing a training with you years and years ago, and it was very true. Like if we're, some of us that there's a high proportion of people that do skin therapy, the therapists that have self-sacrifice or subjugation. And if you're saying to yourself, I remember this is what you were talking to me. I was like, yeah, that's so true. Like if you've got a bit of subjugation, you're saying to yourself, ah, just be easier if I let this go. Don't worry about it. Just be easier. That's your coping style. And I think this is the sort of thing, if there is an issue, you do need to really bring it up and it's not easier. You need to kind of address it. And, yeah. and and just doing it, you know, in an um, empathic way. And, and I, I always find, too, the issue of flirting, like this mm. kind of thing often if it comes up, like, for, right, from the client, it'll come in the form of some kind of flirting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it usually starts in a low level. Mm. It might be sort of bashing the eyelids or, mm. you know, and so I think I think it's something to get on top of at, even at that level. Yeah. Um, yeah. To send the message quite clearly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, it doesn't have to be, and the other thing, it doesn't have to be like, hey, we need to talk about this, you're batting yeah. your eyelids. Yeah. But just in terms of like what you reinforce and mm. your demeanor and to be mm. clear that uh, perhaps it would be that, yeah, you change the yeah. subject abruptly, mm. right? Mm. So if someone wants to talk about how they're flirting and talk about how awesome you are or something, you might say, well, let's mm. let's get back to what we've been talking about, which is the model. Yeah. And so mm. just sort of diverting away from, right? and in that way you send the message that that's a boundary. Yeah. Mm. You know, another thing around the care and connection and attunement and, you know, validation side of things and doing it in a direct way that the what if is around it being too much for the client, like people worrying that people might react negatively about being cared for or might sort of, you know, sink their boat sort of thing, you know. I, I do see, I think one thing I notice and I'm always banging on to people about this with, with their clients is if you're doing something like this and, and someone does have a negative reaction, the, the classic thing with a therapist would, would to be to make that assumption that's something to do with that, about them, what they're, they're doing is wrong. So they have this kind of implicit kind of assumption that the person's saying it's too much, it's awkward, so I must be doing it wrong. And I kind of, and I generally sort of say, well, it's not, I don't think it's necessarily about you. It's it's trying to think of it. It's just data. It's just well, it's that's really interesting. Because mm. <laughs> I do, I do therapists with therapy with a lot of people, and not necessarily always people always have the same reaction. And mm. you know, it's not. Don't take it on board. As so there's two things I'm wrong. thinking. Mm. Like like one is. Um, like the therapist who says this as their concern, like when you talk about limited parenting for the first time mm. and they say this, I always wonder if it's this is the therapist schema. Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, because that's how they'd feel if someone 
trying yeah. to show them care. Mm-hmm. So you can see a lot of the issues in limited parenting actually would come back to our own schemas. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. so that's that's one thing. Yeah. Um, I actually can't remember the second thing, but it'll come back. To uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you know, I think being normalizing, you know, oh. the experience and being able to, you know, kind of um, find out what the part of them yeah, maybe there's a part of the client that doesn't necessarily like, you know, it could be a coping style, a coping mode that doesn't like the, the intimacy or it's too intense. Yeah. Well, it's a, so the, okay, so this is the second thing. So um, if this is what's happening, to me it says a couple of things. One is that the level of care for the client might be outside the window. Yeah. So yeah. we might be laying it on too thick. Yeah, so it's too much. It's too, too much. Too, too and every client's different. Some clients love yeah. it up, they love it. Yeah. Others are like, well... For some of them where really care is really too much, I think it says something about the conceptualization. So mm. you have to sort of step back at that level and mm. think about, you know, where what's going on in the conceptualization that makes care too much. Where does that come from? Yep. I don't think it means we back off. I think ultimately no. it means having the client accept your care is is, is a core goal because mm. if they're not going to be able to accept your care, which is, I presume, a very safe form of care. You're a therapist. You can't really mm. break, you know, we have ethics, et cetera. Yeah. Then I don't think they'd ever be able to receive care and uh, yeah. and have stronger forms of intimacy. So it's, I wouldn't back off, but maybe we're talking about the window. Um, it might also reflect a, um, an avoidant attachment style from mm. the client. Yeah, I mean, when you're sort of talking about the window, ways, the practical ways that we could do that, we could be, instead of talking directly to the person, going, Rob, I just really, really think you're a lovely person. I really care about you, mate. And I know it's hard this weekend. You might be like, can't handle this. I might be instead going to talking to a, an empty chair. And I'll say, look, this is, I think this is like mini Rob. Mini Rob is here and I'm talking to mini Rob and you're next to me. And I'm yeah. talking to the empty chair and that could be a way to reparent or I might get a figurine or something. Yeah. And that might, you might be looking at, you know, the figurine or the, or the mm. empty chair alongside me and going, yeah, okay. And it's, it's less intense. The other thing I found that it was quite cool from, um, you know, working with um, uh, some of the guys that are involved with sort of trauma is that even just, you know, things with the imagery in part of imagery, we're doing reparenting, but it's in an imagery context, but mm-hmm. it's starting really simple. I mean, you're still doing reparenting in the imagery, but you could be doing things just really mundane. It could just be back and right up and just let's do get an image of us doing the washing up together. You know, that mm. might be enough to get that reparenting, you know, the blend between re- um, um, limited reparenting and experiential techniques. But you started starting at a really low baseline, mm. building that up over time. You know, and saying things, yeah, very intimate, like things like I'm proud of you mm. and stuff like that. I mean, you just back off maybe on that a little bit for some clients. Yep. So, so, yeah, all of the techniques have to be sort of within a window, a therapeutic window. And yeah. Showing care mm. and nurturance is one of them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've got the care and nurturance stuff on one side. What about flipping over to the empathic confrontation, limit setting stuff? So can you think of any sort of what ifs in regards to that? Like, you know, I've got a couple, but if you, you know, what if my, my, my the, the biggest one for me is, you know, if, what if the therapy relationship is ruptured if I bring this up with them and they don't sort of, mm. you know, um, you know, they don't like what I'm hearing. What if they leave? Yeah, what if they leave or what if, okay. um, 
So know, like just to make an example, client client wants to come and put shit on you the whole time. Mm-hmm. I don't know, and grand eyes or something, or mm-hmm. uh, you know, it could be anything. It could, yep. it could be it's come and yeah, download more time. Client might want to come and time. download, just constantly yep. download and control the therapy and not yep. actually do any therapy. Yep. <clears throat> you know, so you, you know what? What's your choice? You either address mm-hmm. it, or you or you're going to sit there and and just kind of be passive and cop that. Like yeah. for you know for eternity. So I guess you, I I sort of uh, see the liminary parenting, you know, the, the escalation between empathic confrontation. I think we still have to start to start probably empathically confront, and then if things get really difficult, like people are stalking people or people are abusing people, kicking off. Then that's where the limit, lim, you know, the limit setting comes in. To be honest with you, I don't do a lot of limit setting because I don't need to because mm-hmm. you know people generally aren't you know pretty respectful. But the other thing I, I thought as well is that you can't say if you've got someone showing up and they're being difficult in session or they're, you know, being kind of untoward is you can't, it's, it is tricky to do things like empathic confrontation when you don't have a formulation and you know, haven't seen them very, very much. I mean, I, yeah. I don't think you can do it, you know, after two or three sessions. No. Well, you, you need a little bit of glue. You no. need to sort of take it a bit. Yeah, and protect oh, yourself. Yeah. But- oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You, you need a good therapy relationship. That, in some ways, right, you, the empathic confrontation part is, you know, that you, they, you need enough empathy. You need to understand them, their childhood. They need to know that you get it, mm. right? So all that those tasks are, are very important early on, like the first mm. five, six sessions, even ten sessions mm. for some clients. you got to get through that stuff first. Yeah, and I think right. if you've got the formulation, you could kind of get away. Like, you, I, I think if you've got someone presenting with narcissistic or overcompensating type behaviours, you, if you pitch it to them and they kind of get it, then you can get away with a lot more empathic confrontation as opposed to just coming out of nowhere and then sort of starting, starting to bring up, you know, difficulties or the way that they're acting and not. And sometimes the formulation like, yeah, is, exactly. is yeah. a way of saying, Oh, right. Like I get it. This kind mm. of, you know, the mm. top dog, like, you know, mm. he's really helped you and, you know, you, you, whatever you've done so great in your job and you sort of dominate and mm. that sort of helped you in different ways, mm. you know, but what about the other side of it? Have you noticed, but even just doing it on the, like on the model, on the wall, mm. yep. you know, have you noticed this side in relationships yep. or have you noticed this side? Like you can when you came here, you said that your wife's leaving you. Yeah. Like what's yep. this side got to do with that? So some of that can be explored in ways that's not such a confrontation. I, and with empathic confrontation, we could do a whole session on this and we've, you know, we're hopefully going to be having some more training on schema therapy training online in the next couple of months. But, you know, the empathic confrontation is triggering for the therapist. It's, it's, it can be, you know, for, I would say 80% of people having difficult conversations isn't something that this is actually the real thing. I think, I think therapists know what to say. Mm. Like if they wrote it down or something, uh, they know what to do. It's more how it makes us feel. It's the feelings that get in the way. Although, yeah, what I always found when I was learning how to sort of do better, get better at empathic confrontation is to have some scaffolding and things have some sort of lines, you know, you know, like, you know, it's hard for me to be there for you when you do this or, you know, mm. I get it. I get why you do it. 
you know, but other people don't get why you do it and other people won't have the time for you when, when you do that. So you need to do something about it. How Man, I'm a therapist. I'm a therapist. Give them the I'm a therapist thing. I get it. I'm trained yeah. to do this, right? Mm. I can I can, I can get it, but I'm worried about other folks. Yeah. yeah. And they won't get it and they will they'll just sort of walk away and they won't have time. So, you know, if you're interested in that, we, we might try and do even another podcast looking at that. I do, like like you've mentioned, Wendy Bahari, the America, um, fantastic presenter and trainer, and hopefully will be a part of um, doing some training this year, is excellent, excellent. And it's good to listen to some of, she's got lots of stuff on YouTube. You can listen to some of that stuff as well. Just the way she speaks and the way that she can kind of verbalize this That's is something. really helpful. That's and, also, and, and, and you know what, just why there, yeah, she's got a great book. If you're interested, Disarming the Narcissist, a, a big plug for that. There's a, a new edition that's come out and it's great for therapists, but also for our clients. So have a look at that too. We'll put that in the show. What do you think about this, Chris? What do you think about whether it's in imagery or, or, or your empathic confrontation? Something I reckon that's cool is, is getting exposure to, a, to different trainers mm. and, and the one-liners you know, yeah. that you pick up off a different trainer when they're in yeah. an imagery or they, they're doing, you know, empathic confrontation. It's like, bang, this is mm. one liner, right? Um, that's something I've, over the years I've thought about, you know, that I've been impacted by different trainers. You know, can, can you speak to that? Has, has that been yeah, the yeah, case I, for you I, too? You know, when I've done a couple of videos with um, a couple of Dutch presenters and we've all talked about how we all start talking like, the others, you know, we all kind yeah. of have this amalgam and even listening to some Jeff videos, watching Jeff and watching him do his work and then mm-hmm. myself and some other trainers, we all sort of start doing it. And then one other tra- trainer starts using something I've used and I start yeah. using what they do. We all got to get this amalgam. I've been really impacted yeah. by your stuff, but, and also um, I think the videos you've been doing and also Remco, he's yeah, another Remco, one. He just yeah. got some great one-liners. Yeah. Right. Uh, and it's good because you can model it and see it. It's something in the moment that you don't necessarily yeah. think about, but you know, but that's, I, I do, think that if you've got troubles with liminary parenting particularly in empathic confrontation it's definitely worth to watch videos yeah. get feedback practice it you know it's like a state-based experience like i think if you're practicing it you know if you can get state-based memory where it's like oh i've got to bring this up and you've done this before you know what to do because you've practiced it and you've watched it you know as opposed to you know reading it from a book it's not necessarily going to be what you need Hey, uh, just before we, we were going through the through the time, so we're doing quite well. But I was just also thinking another issue around limited parenting is, I mean, we've talked about the kind of closeness and people taking it the wrong way. But you know, uh, we often get feedback from people, particularly learning about the model about um, dependency mm-hmm. and. You know, we often, we want to be a real therapist and we want to have appropriate self-disclosure with a client, you know. So there's really two things, really. I mean, there's the self-disclosure kind of element. That's something that comes to mind as well. Or what if I disclose and it's, in, you know, they take it the wrong way. Um, but also, you know, if we're having this caring, validating, self-disclosing, you know, authentic therapist type of presentation, whether that fosters, you know, a dependent client. You, yeah, thought? I mean, I mean, if you're going to be authentic and a real person, I mean, you know, more of that, bringing more of that into therapy, there's always the chance that someone could take it the wrong way, but it's probably not you. Yeah. You know, uh, the client is coming and they may be sensitive about certain things and your realness could touch on certain things. I think I think that's normal and it's a, something to to deal with in a therapy. But it's not a reason not to be real. 
Mm. You know, um, for the most part, I think clients really, uh, really benefit from that. When they when oh, they see right. that you're being a, more of yourself and yeah. just being authentic, yeah. um, you know, 99 times out of 100, that is seen in a positive way. Um, yeah, so- yeah. And it can be tricky, though, because I guess we could train boundaries, 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 and then suddenly we've got, you know, us as trainers telling people, like, you know, it's okay to be self-disclosing. <laughs> You know, and suddenly it does. It can, for some people, it frees them up and go, okay, I can, I can, I'm not worried about some licensing organization or authority mm. tapping me on the shoulder and investigating me. They can just relax a little bit. And you, they come so, and they say, You told this guy what book you read on the weekend. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, you know, <laughs> crazy. But, you know, I remember um, there's a the now president of the International Society of Schema Therapy, Jeff Conway. He mentioned it in a training a long time ago, and I, I thought that was a really good analogy. It's like, you know, if you're going to self-disclose, think of it as it does the self-disclosure aid the connection that you've got with the client and 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 the attachment and you know a good analogy would be like you know maybe i've got you know relationship issues and my clients got relationship issues and they're talking about divorcing mm-hmm. and i've just been divorced and i'm just going through a messy divorce and they're going oh like you know i'm really tough going got top going i'm gonna see the lawyer and you're like yeah yeah i know what it's like i've been to my lawyer this morning too yeah you know, the whole thing sucks you know my so there is hates. a limit right there's a yeah. limit where it's not therapeutic or where it's it might not be therapeutic for you or and them it's not it's not helping yeah. them feel kind of safe in the relationship suddenly it's more complicated but if i said you know what 30 years ago or 10 years ago i went through a really messy divorce and it was horrible and i know what it's like and i can mm. I, you know i know what it's like to go and see lawyers and i know what it's like to to not see your kids i get it it's tough that would be completely a different thing i think that would be a possible- yeah i think i think that there's some boundary there isn't there where it's you don't want them starting to worry more about you than than maybe you're worried yeah. about them or so you're going to have to think about is this sort of past history or current history type of thing. But the, the, the last thing was the, the dependence thing. And, you know, mm. I, we're not, I, it was, we were talking about this before the session around some of the DID um, training and, mm. and some of the, the, the recent DID case study study looking at yeah. limits, you know, limits in terms of therapy. I don't know if you want to. Yeah. So, so I guess this comes back to the question people, um, therapists often ask in the training, and it's linked to the idea of dependency, and that is how long should schema therapy go for? Yeah. All right. So, so I don't know. Do you have an answer for that? I mean, it's a common question. How long should schema yeah. therapy go for? Well, I mean, part of me thinks it's a part of it is massively to do with the coping mode. If someone's got very strong coping, it just blows things out. You have to spend mm-hmm. time, a longer amount of time. Could spend a year or so just trying to get past that. At least, yeah. And I think that. In RCTs, it's different because the person comes. It's different if you're working in private practice or you're in a different setting where someone's turning up and you're getting a, a, someone, you know, wanting your help. Yeah, it's a bit, you have to be probably be a little bit more flexible. But, mm. you know, speaking to um, Marlene uh, Rackenberger in, in the Netherlands, she's quite resolute in terms of, you know, treatment. So lengths. they, yeah, so they, this is what, and my personal thing on this now is, you know, for the most part, Based on the on the research trials with borderline clients and, and mm. now with the DOD clients, um, my own view is that an upper bound limit of three years is probably ideal. Yeah, yeah. You know that you you start out with a client, and if they want to know about how long therapy goes for, uh, if they have a personality disorder or um, you know problems to do with complex trauma dissociation, 
you know, so in other words, they're a chronic client. Mm. Um, you might give them the idea that therapy might last anywhere but from one to three years. Mm. <clears throat> and, of course, they could finish whenever they like and if things, you know, responded really fast, the therapy could go fast. But, um, you know, that, that giving them the idea that, that there is an upper bound limit, that mm. after three years the therapy would end, would conclude, mm. you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, and that part of the idea of that is, you know, you need to give them enough time to change and to work on it and not to mm. not be sort of feeling like, oh, no, the therapy's going to end anyway and like it's, yeah. right, so have enough time to get some work done. But also um, I guess it's that without without having an end date, <clears throat> it can sort of, it can sort of feed into dependency issues that the client would mm. like like your intervention. They would like your limited reparenting, yeah. and but not be motivated to take on board this sort of autonomy phase. Yeah, yeah. The behavioral the behavioral stuff, you know, taking taking the autonomy phase, um, taking more responsibility for the change. So, you know, we think it is important. Mm. You mm. know, usually in that last year, or in the in the final phase, whenever it might be, mm. at your Experiential techniques, for example, are more heavily loaded towards the healthy adult doing a lot of the yeah. work. Yeah. That yeah. you're expecting a bit more in terms of the behavior change stuff. Now, if if the client thinks you might be there forever, that can sort that of way. take a lot of the motivation out Absolutely. of it. Absolutely. Yeah. So something that I've noticed probably in my work in the last couple of years is that I, I definitely bring up the point of I'm trying to get them to take a look after themselves a lot more. Yeah, you know, from the point, even at the start, I might even I might do imagery. And then on the side going, you know, the point of me doing the imagery now is to teach you to do it. And I want you to do it one day. I want you just yeah. to have that. As so you set that expectation. Expectation. Yeah, exactly. Rather than you being a passive thing that's just like, oh, I'm just going to, you're going gonna to do therapy to me. And then I'm going to turn out in, in 18 months or whatever, and I'm going to be fixed. It's more getting them engaged and yeah, sort of. You know, this is, this is an issue, like when to terminate a client like this, particularly those with chronic problems and say with personality disorders. Um, I don't know if you've read this, Chris, but I'll send it to you and we can put it in the show notes. There's a, a famous paper in psychoanalytic therapy mm. by, by Freud. Uh, it's it's called um, along the lines of analysis um, terminable and interminable. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. right? So basically meaning that, um, you know, that you should terminate or in some cases that you can't terminate. Yeah, right. Right, that the client uh, needs so much help. So... Um, but but it really speaks to this, and it's kind of cool actually to read mm. something like an old paper that's eighty years old or something. Yeah. Um, uh, on this issue, in, in other words, he was struggling with this exact issue. Yeah. Is that right? When yeah. with these chronic clients, mm. some of them it's mm. like you should never terminate, yeah. and for others it's like you absolutely have to. Yeah. You have to set an end date. Mm-hmm. And and he speaks very much about this exact issue. And it's very mm. interesting. Um, so a dilemma. Yeah. So, so he he came up with the basically the idea that once you decide to set an end date, to stick to it, mm. um, you have to stick to it. He sort of this is this is based on his ideas um, that you see, you know you set an end date, otherwise the client would would uh, become dependent or sort of you know only want yeah. to come to, come to the therapy to get nurturance. I guess it's a runway, isn't it? You're kind of needing a runway for that to happen mm. as opposed to sort of like, okay, well, we've got three sessions and that's going to be it. You oh, know, 100%. Yeah, you know, needing to know this six six months before. 100%. You know. So you're wanting you're wanting to make that, especially with these clients, a, a really clear runway. Mm. I would even like as much as a year with, with yeah. a borderline client. Yeah. I, I want it to be something yeah. that they see as like a, a, yeah. the final step of autonomy. 
and yeah. learning to to have more yeah. responsibility to take care of the child. Mm. Yeah. Um, the other thing he says in that paper, which is kind of interesting, is once you set an end date, that you have to stick to it. Mm. And yeah. he says something like, mm. um, if you if you don't stick to it, the 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 client, the patient would lose all trust in you or something. You know, yeah. in other yeah. words, they wouldn't respect you. That you yeah. Said, you know. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. That's interesting. We'll put that yeah, in the show notes. Right. Definitely put that in the show notes. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent. Okay. Well, we have uh, completed episode 21 of the What's the Schematter Schemata? podcast. And um, we uh, hope you enjoyed uh, the presentation and have a chat. The fire, I thought it was like a fireside chat I've had in my mind. I, I should have got the little. You little and I beside a fire. Yeah. 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 With a cigar or, you know, maybe a, a, some cognac or brandy or something. I don't drink. I that. wish. I wish. <laughs> but, um, yeah. you know, this, this, the idea for this one came from a sort of a what-if idea mm. and some what-if ideas around limited parenting. But if anyone has um, some, you know, some other topics around or even what-if questions, um, Chris and I are starting to collate some yeah. and that we might um, sort of drive some of our future podcasts. Some of those what-if questions are really cool. Yeah. So if you have anything like that, if you could reach out to us at yeah, info right. at um, and and you might sort of see in the future that we're running yeah. another another one on your topic. Yes. Um, or it's a way to give us some feedback anyway. Yeah. So. And if you're interested in uh, further uh, online training, we've got um, – a number of courses that are available on Schema Therapy Training Online. We've also got live training in um, in Australia, in Singapore, in possibly New Zealand next year. Yeah. And to everyone around the world that listens to us, I hope you're having a you know you're well in the different pockets of of the planet. And um, we, we we often see comments from people around the place um, enjoying the podcast. So we've got to 21. We're hoping not to stop and continue once a month hey, or so. I wonder I wonder if we can make it to 121. We're going to be yeah, sitting yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, we'll be there. Absolutely. You get some some of these YouTube podcasters are pumping it two or three out a day. Oh, mate. Yeah, we're not that good. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're not that good. Prolific, yeah. but yeah. we're sitting well, here, you know, in our 60s. Yeah, what's this good matter? What's this good matter? Okay, everybody. So thanks, Rob. Uh, and everybody, um, I hope you enjoyed today. And yeah, we'll see, see you around. Soon. See you later. See you around. Bye. Bye. Bye.